Beyond our focus. I'm Stefan. This is Amanda, and this is Let's Blabber about wizards. No, wizard. That was... Wizards. Oh, well, you never know. There might be more wizards. Wizarding glass. We're in part three. Well, we're in. We are in the interlude. Yes. And then we'll be starting part three, chapter one, called something or another. Called part three, come reap. Chapter one, beneath the huntress moon. I knew I had huntress. In. So we are in Interlude, Kansas. In reading the interlude, it's just like, you know what? After I was getting through this again, it's like, you know, I love seeing Cuthbert. I love seeing Elaine. I like hearing some about Roland's past. God, do I miss being back with Eddie and Jake and Susanna. (laughs) I'm like, we spent three solid books with them already. Yes. And And this one's like, this is kind of nice. But I miss our group. I really miss them. It took us three books just to get them all together, okay? Like, even even the last book, even though they were all together, they got separated by different tasks they had to do. So, I just... I I miss the gang. I really miss the gang. And we we get this brief little flash here with them, but I miss the gang. Eddie stirred. Around them, the thinny still whined, like an unpleasant <laughs> mother-in-law. Above them, the stars gleamed bright as new hope. Bright as new hopes. Is this like a Star Wars? Yes. Or bad intentions. He looked at Susanna, sitting with her stumps of her legs curled beneath her. He looked at Jake, who was eating a burrito. He looked at Oi, whose snout rested on Jake's ankle, who was looking up at the boy with an expression of calm adoration. The fire was low, but still burning. The same was true of Demon Moon, far in the west. Roland, his voice sounded old and rusty to his own ears. The gunslinger, who had paused for a sip of water, looked at him with his eyebrows raised. How can you even know? How can you know every corner of this story? Roland seemed amused. I don't think that's what you really want to know, Eddie. No, but it's what I Eddie, want to know. <laughs> I mean, Roland, I don't care what Eddie really wants to know or doesn't really want to know. I want to know. Yeah. How do you know what Jonas was thinking and Reynolds and Reimer and... And it's like, those guys, maybe you can look at them and guess, but how do you even know what's going on with Rhea? She is in her own little world. She is in her own little... She, Barely even met you since the beginning of this story. Hasn't even met you since the beginning of the story. Yet somehow you know when that she's sitting there with the pink ball and that her animals and stuff are just... You know too much, Roland. <laughs> How do you know all these things? Does it make any sense? But you know what? Yeah, yeah. Eddie, that's not what Eddie really wants to know. <laughs> not really. Not, that's not it. God. He was right about that. Old, long tall and ugly, made a habit of being right. It was, as far as Eddie was concerned, one of his most irritating characteristics. All right, how long have you been talking? That's what I really want to know. Are you uncomfortable? Want to go to bed? He's making fun of me, Eddie thought. But even as the idea occurred to him, he knew it wasn't true. And no, he wasn't uncomfortable. There was no stiffness in his joints, although he had been sitting cross-legged ever since Roland had began telling them about Rhea and the glass ball, and he didn't 
need to go to the toilet, nor was he hungry. Jake was munching on the single leftover burrito, but probably for the same reason folks climbed Mount Everest. Because it was there. Like any food. Yeah. If it's there, it's going to be gone. Yeah. Why? No good Especially reason. Especially if you're watching a movie, if you're just reading something, or if you're talking to somebody or whatever. It's just you're just munching on whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be almost anything. You're going to eat it just because it's there. Uh, and why should he be hungry or sleepy or stiff? Why? When the fire still burned and the moon was yet not down, he looked at Roll in amused eyes and saw the gunslinger was reading his thoughts. No, I don't want to go to bed. You know I don't. But, Roland, you've been talking a long time, he paused, looking down at his hands and looked up again, smiling uneasily. Days, I would have said. Uh, But time's different here. I told you that. Now you see for yourself. Not all nights are the same length, just length just recently. Days either. But we notice time more at night, don't we? Yes, I think we do. Is it the thinny stretching time? And now that he had mentioned it, Eddie could hear it in all its creepy glory. A sound like vibrating metal. Or maybe the world's biggest mosquito. It might be helping, but mostly it's just how things are in my world. Susanna stirred like a woman who raises partway from a dream that holds her like sweet quicksand. She gave Eddie a look that was both distant and impatient. Let the man talk, Eddie. Yeah, Jake said. Let the man talk. And Oi, without raising his snout from Jake's ankle, an ache. Ark. An ark. <laughs> All right, he said. No problem. And the rest is just him going back to his ways, I think. <laughs> Oh, well, it just says that, um, it says, go on, Eddie told him quietly, let the rest be what it is, what it was. He looked around, Kansas, they were in Kansas, somewhere, someone, except he felt that Magus and these people he had never seen were very close now, that Roland's lost Susan was very close now, because reality was thin here. As thin as the seat in an old pair of blue jeans, and the dark would hold for as long as Roland needed it to hold. Eddie doubted if Roland even noticed the dark, particularly. Why would he? Eddie thought it had been night inside of Roland's mind for a long, long time, and dawn was still nowhere near. He reached out and touched one of the calloused killer's hands. Gently, he touched it, and with love. Go on, Roland. Tell your tale. All the way to the end. All the way to the end, Susanna said dreamily. Cut the vein. Her eyes were full of moonlight. All the way to the end, Jake said. End, Oi whispered. Roland held Eddie's hand for a moment, then let go. He looked into the guttering fire without immediately speaking, and Eddie sensed him trying to find the way, trying doors one after another until he found one that opened. What he saw behind it made him smile and look up at Eddie. True love is boring, he said. Say what? True love is boring, Roland repeated. As boring as any other strong and addicting drug, and as with any other strong drug, we come into the third part. The third part. Part three, come reap. <laughs> Chapter one, beneath the hunter's moon. We needed all that. Of course. And we're back into the tell. Oh, what a tell. True love, like any other strong, addictive drug, is boring. 
Once a tale of encounter of encounter and discovery is told, kisses quickly grow stale and caresses tiresome, except, of course, to those who share the kisses, who give and take the caresses, while every sound and color of the world seems to deepen and brighten around them. As with any other strong drug, true first love is really only interesting to those who have become its prisoner. And as true of any other strong and addicting drug, true First love is dangerous. That it is, especially in this sense. Oh, <laughs> but we Ugh. end up getting a very long, drawn-out description of how Magis is preparing for. Yeah, a the very, fall. very long, yes. drawn-out, unnecessary description of them prepping for the season. Yes, it is harvesting time, and. Sorry, I thought someone was dying outside. My yeah, God. you never really know. Um, but yes, it says, Those in the grip of a strong drug, heroin, devil grass, true love, often find themselves trying to maintain a precarious balance between secrecy and ecstasy as they walk the tightrope of their lives. Keeping one's balance on a tightrope is difficult under the soberest circumstances. Doing so while in a state of delirium is all but impossible. Completely impossible in the long run. Roland and Susan were delirious. They probably can't hear it, but they're just screaming outside. Just... (laughs) Yeah, it's kids getting off a school bus. They're happy as we are, leaving work. (laughs) Roland and Susan were delirious, but at least had the thin advantage of knowing it. Do they, though? Do they really? (laughs) Not to the degree... And the secret would not have to be kept forever, but only until reaping day fair at the very longest. Things might end even sooner than that if the big coffin hunters broke cover. The actual first move might be made by one of the other players, Roland thought. But no matter who moved first, Jonas and his men would be there, a part of it. The part apt to be most dangerous to the three boys. Yeah. Yeah. If there's anyone dangerous in the town, it's Jonas and his two little friends. Well, of course. So then, of course, we move into Roland and Susan meeting every single time they can, every place that they can, anywhere they can. And they met in the Willow Grove in several of the abandoned bathhouses which stood crumbling in the north hook of the bay. In a herder's nest, herder's hut, I don't know where I got nest from, (laughs) far out in the desolate of the coast, an abandoned squatter's shack hidden in the bad grass. The settings were by large, by and large, as sorted as any of those in which addicts come together to practice their vice. But Susan and Roland didn't see the rotting walls of the shack, or the holes in the roof of the hut, or smell of molding nets in the corners of the old soaked bathhouses. They were drugged, stone in love, and to them, Every scar on the face of the world was a beauty mark. Yep. Yep, twice. Early in those delirious weeks, they used the red rock and the wall in the back of the pavilion to arrange meetings. And then some deep voice spoke inside Roland's head, telling him there must be no more of it. The rock might have been just the thing for children playing 
at secrets, but he and his love were no longer children. Yes, you yes, are. you are. Yes, you definitely you are, are. Fourteen years old, Roland. You are definitely a child. What is she? What is she? Two years? Yeah, she I two, think she's sixteen. Sixteen. So fourteen and sixteen. Yeah, you guys. Are, you guys are babies. <laughs> if they were discovered, banishment would be the luckiest punishment that they could hope for. The red rock was too conspicuous, and writing things down, even messages that were. In, unsigned and deliberately vague was horribly dangerous. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. That's, that's all dangerous. Oh. Using Shimi felt safer to both of them. Beneath his smiling light-mindedness, there was because a surprising depth of... written notes. Dangerous. Getting an actual person involved <laughs> who knows what's going on who could probably easily pry for information. Now he's safe. Love Roland had thought long and hard before settling on that word, and it was the right word, which was well discretion. An ability to keep silent that was more dignified than mere cunning. Cunning was out of Shimi's reach in any case, and always would be. A man who couldn't tell a lie without shifting his eyes away from yours was a man who would never be considered cunning. They used Shimi half a dozen times over the five weeks when their physical love burned at its hottest. Three of those times were to make... Meetings. Two were to change meeting places, and one was to cancel a tryst when Susan spied riders from the piano ranch. Um, that deep, warning voice never spoke to Roland about Shimi as it had about the dangers of the Red Rock, but his conscience spoke to him, and when he finally mentioned this to Susan, yeah, he found that their conscience had been troubling her as well. It wasn't fair to put the boy in the way of their possible trouble. After coming to that conclusion, Roland and Susan arranged their meeting strictly between the two of them. If she could not meet him, Susan said, she would hang a red shirt over the sill of her window as if to dry. If he could not meet her, he was to leave a white stone in the northeast corner of the yard, diagonally across the road from Hookie's library, where the town pump stood. As a last resort, they would use the red rock in the pavilion, risky or not, rather than bringing Shimi into the affairs their affair again. Cuthbert and Elaine watched Roland's descent into addiction first with disbelief, envy, and an uneasy amusement, then with a species of silent horror. They had been sent to what was supposed to have been safety and discovered a place of conspiracy instead. They had come to take census in a barony where most of the aristocracy and had apparently switched its allegiance to the affiliation's bittersweet enemy. Oh, bitterest enemy. Whoops. They had made personal enemies of three hard men who had probably killed enough folks to populate a fair-sized graveyard. Yet they had felt equal to the situation because they had come here under the leadership of their friend, who had attained near-mythic status in their minds by besting court with a hawk as his weapon and becoming a gunslinger at the unheard-of age of fourteen. That they had been given guns themselves for this mission had meant a great deal to them when they set out from Gilead, and nothing at all by the time they began to realize the scope of what was going on in Hambrytown, and the barony of which it was a part. When the realization came, Roland was the weapon they counted on, and now, "'He's like a revolver cast into water!' Cuthbert exclaimed one evening, not long after Roland had ridden away to meet Susan. Beyond the bunkhouse porch, Huntress rose in her first quarter— Gods know if it will ever fire again, even if it's fished out and dried off. Hush, wait, Elaine said, and looked toward the porch rail. 
hoping to jolly Cuthbert out of his bad temper, a task that was quite easy under ordinary circumstances. Elaine said, Where's the lookout? Gone to bed early for once, has he? This only irritated Cuthbert more. He hadn't seen the rook skull in days. He couldn't exactly say how many, and he took its loss as an ill omen. Gone, but not to bed, he replied, then looked balefully to the west, where Roland had disappeared abroad his big old galoot of a horse. Lost, I reckon, like a certain fellow's mind and heart and good sense. He'll be all right, Elaine said awkwardly. You know him as well as I do, Bert. Known him our whole lives, we have. He'll be all right. Quietly, without even a trace of his normal good humor, Cuthbert said, I don't feel I know him now. Yep. Well, he, he's gone. He's off the... But he, he's just not doing well. <laughs> I hate her a little for what she's done, Cuthbert said. And there was a note in his voice. Elaine had never heard before. A mixture of jealousy, frustration, and fear. Perhaps more than a little. You mustn't, Alan tried. Not to sound shocked, but couldn't help it. She isn't responsible for... Is she not? She went out to Sitka with him. She saw what he saw. Gods know how much he's told her after they finish making this stupid beast with two packs. And she's all the way around the world from stupid. Just the way she's managed her side of their affair shows that. Bert was thinking, Elaine guessed, of her tidy little trick with the Corvette. She must know she's become part of the problem herself. She must know that. Now his bitterness was frighteningly clear. He's jealous of her for stealing his best friend, Elaine thought. But he's not... But it doesn't stop there. He's jealous of his best friend as well. Because his best friend has won the most beautiful girl any of them have ever seen. Elaine leaned over, grasped grasped Cuthbert's shoulder. When Bert turned away from the... Away from his morose examination of the dooryard. To look at his friend... It was startled by the grimace on Alan's face. It's Kyle, Alan said. Cuthbert almost sneered. If I had a hot dinner for every time someone blamed theft or lust or some other stupidity on Kyle, Alan's grip tightened until it almost became painful. Cuthbert could have pulled away but didn't. He watched Elaine closely. The Joker was. The Joker was temporarily at least gone. Blame is exactly what we two can't afford, Elaine said. Don't you see that? If it's Cobb that swept them away, we need it blame. We can't blame. We must rise above it. We need him. We may need her too. Cuthbert looked into Elaine's eyes for what seemed like a very long time. Elaine saw Bert's anger at war with his good sense at last, and perhaps only for the time being, a good sense and good sense no oh my God, at last. Good sense won out. Alright, fine. It's Ka. Everybody's favorite whipping boy. That's what the great unseen world's for, after all, isn't it? So we don't have to take blame for our actions or stupidity. Now let go of me, Al, before you break my shoulder. 
Is Elaine that strong? <laughs> well. It's Now, if we only knew what to do about the drop, if we don't start counting it soon. I've had an idea about that, actually, Cuthbert said. It just needs a little working out. I'm sure Roland could help if either of us could get his attention for a few minutes, that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elaine nodded. says, um... The strong outer crescent tobacco made him swimmy in the head and raw in the throat, but a cigarette had a way of calming his nerves, and right now his nerves could use some calming. He didn't know about Bert, but these days he smelled blood on the wind. Possibly some of it would be their own. He wasn't exactly frightened, not yet at least, but he was very, very worried. Like you should be. Yeah. (laughs) Roland, it's all your fault. Mmm... Mm, yeah, so now we are back at the Traveler's Rest and we meet Reynolds, the Pip, Jonas, and Kimba. Kimba. I am your father. <laughs> Otherwise, more known as just Rhymer. Yeah, Rhymer. It's called Rhymer a lot more than it gets called yeah. Kimba. Kimba. I just like the name Kimba. But yes, so Jonas and. Um, Rhymer are talking when Reynolds and DePape are kind of... They kind of interrupt. They kind of just... Yeah, they interrupt just a smidge (laughs) of what's happening. Might we have a word with you, Eldred? Clay Reynolds asked. We've been talking, Roy and I. Unwise, Jonas remarks in his wavery voice. Rhymer wouldn't be surprised to find at the end of his life, that the death angel has such a voice. Talking can lead to thinking, and thinking's dangerous for the such of you boys. Like picking your nose with bullet heads. Of course. I I can't wait to see a little bit of how... What are they planning on doing with the show? Mm-hmm. I'm ho- praying and hoping they do something good with it, because I, yeah. I want to see it halfway right. Yeah. But I, I'm very curious to see who they kind of pick to play some of these roles. Again, I still think that if you're going to start, this is the book to start with. Yes. It gets you introduced to Roland, gives you his tragic backstory, what happened, how it happened. Because, I mean, not only do you get this story, but you do get the story of him, you know, becoming a man. Like, I mean, we do have that story already, too, as far as um, why, like, how he became a gunslinger at 14. Which, I mean, truthfully, I would combine, like, some of Roland's old stories we've gotten in the previous yeah. books in with this one and put it all to first season. Yeah. Let's see him in the beginning. Let's see how he becomes a gunslinger. Let's see Gilead. Let's see. And then get sent off and have to be here and meeting Susan and all of this. And let it be a really cool first season. Yeah. And then... We know how it will end, and then we can move into the iconic opening. Yeah. Or again, open with that, and then have some kind of him thinking back on his past. And I don't, I don't know the best way to make it all work accordingly or right. Because I mean, if you're doing, if you're doing a Dark Tower series, it has to open with that line. It, it does. Has to. Which again, you could have him open that line, him in the desert, and then thinking back and being yeah. like thirty, forty years earlier. 
And then, and, I mean, even when you get to this point, even when you get past, like, to them actually going to palaver about all this, it could easily be like, okay, I'll tell you. And then he sits down, and then it's just a kind of a fade well, away. Well, the thing is, if you thing. start with the first book, and then you go back, you kind of have to stay there. We have to get this backstory, and then we come back. No, no, no. I meant, like, eventually when the series actually makes it to mm-hmm. Blaine and all that yeah. stuff. Like, when we get to this part, we don't have to go back. It's just him t- telling them overnight what it is, and then they move yeah, on. Yeah, it'd be cool. It could be, you know, like you said, sit down, him start talking, at almost exactly like you heard in the very first season yeah. at this point, yeah. and then it fading to black, and like, well, you know that story yeah. already, and then continuing onward. But yeah. that makes this book, you have to combine this book with... Yeah. I mean, Which actually easily... combining this with the third the third no, book would be easy. Because literally it ends with the conclusion of... I mean, it begins with the conclusion of Blaine. Yeah. So. Or you end there and then begin the next season with part of this book. How this book ends. Yeah. Because it has a very different weird ending. <laughs> or them walking through the town. That could be the first few episodes. Yeah. The town. What happens. The backstory. And the, the, the place and the tower. Because, I mean, we could easily, like... You have him talking, it fades, like, it fades or whatever, and it could literally be, like, you you have that moment where Eddie's like, how long have you been talking? Because it feels like days. And then you can even have that discussion in there. Yeah. They just have to do it right. And I just, very terrified. <laughs> the movie was terrible. I, I, I can't even say it was terrible. I didn't watch it. But what I saw of it was terrible. So, hope for the best. <sighs> anyway, where, where were we? <laughs> Somewhere in here? Um. We we kind of just did a you you were right at the top pretty much was cause I? You, yeah because you had just, you had ended with him saying that picking your nose with bullets yes yeah. uh, the pape donkeyed his hee haw laughter as if he didn't realize the joke was on him Jonas listened Rail began and then looked uncertainly at Reimer. You can talk in front of Cy Reimer, Jonas said, laying out a fresh line of cards. He is, after all, all our chief employer. I play a chancellor's patient in honor, so I do. Blah, blah, blah. It's the cards, <laughs> cards, cards. Uh, Rose looked surprised. I thought that is to say I believed that Mayor Thorne was... Hart Thorne wants to know none of the details or... Of our arrangement with the good man, Reimer said. I, a share of the profits is all he requires in the line, Mr. Reynolds. The mayor's chief concern right now is that the reaping day fair goes smoothly. And his arrangement with the young lady be smoothly consummated. Yeah. Yeah, we don't either. So then he just translates it for him. He's more interested in... Her. Yeah. He's really just interested in her. Yeah. That's really all we we need to know about that. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, what do you boys want? Reimer and me was just going to have us a little palaver. Perhaps we could all put our heads together, Reynolds said, putting a hand on the back of a chair. Kind of see if our thinking matches up. I think not, Jonah said, sweeping his cards together. He looked irritated, and Clay Reynolds took his hand off the back of the chair in a hurry. Say your say and be done with it. It's late. We was thinking it's time to go on out there to the barquet, DePape said. Have a look around. See if there's anything to back up what the old fella and Ritzy said. And see what else they've got out there, Reynolds put in. It's getting close now, Eldred, and we can't afford to take chances. 
They might have I guns, electric lights, fairy women in bottles. Who knows? I'll think about it, Clay. But I said I'll think about it. Now go upstairs, the both of you, back to your own fairy women. Reynolds and DePape looked at him, looked at each other, then backed away from the table. Reimer watched them with his thin smile. At the foot of the stairs, Reynolds turned back. Jonas paused in the act of shuffling his cars and looked at him, tufted eyebrows raised. We underestimated him once, and they made us look like monkeys. I don't want it to happen again. That's all. Your ass is still sore over that, isn't it? Well, so is mine. And I tell you again, they'll pay for what they did. I have the bill ready, and when the time comes, I'll present it to them, with all the interest duly noted. In the meantime, they, are going to spook me. they aren't going to spook me into making the first move. Time is on our side, not theirs. Do you understand that? Yes. Will you try to remember it? Yes, Reynolds repeated. He seemed satisfied. Roy, do you trust me? Aye, Eldred, to the end. Jonas had praised him for the work he had done in Ritzy, and DePape had rolled in the way a male dog rolls in the scent of a female. <laughs> then go on up, the both of you, and let me palaver with the boss and be done with it. I'm too old for these late nights. Um, Jonas put a red coin in the black knight, then looked up a rhymer. Say your say! Those two said it for me, actually, sighed the pape. will never be embarrassed by a surplus of brains, but Reynolds is fairly smart for a gunny, isn't he? Clay's trig when the moon is right, and he's had a shave, Jonas agreed. Are you saying you came all the way up from seafront to tell me those three babies, or babbies, <laughs> need a closer look at? Reimer shrugged. Perhaps they do, and I'm the man to do it if so. Right enough. But that's where... That's... But what's there to find? That's to be seen, Reimer said, and tapped one of Jonas's cards. There's a chancellor. Aye. Near as lucky as you, uh, ugly as you, as the one I'm sitting with. Jonas put Pretty much. You had it right. <laughs> cards. Extra boots. Pictures. Okay, there. Down here. Uh, that left Peter. Looking at Reimer shrewdly. You hide it better. Okay. Yeah. The next draw uncovered. Blah, blah, blah. That's Paul of Peterborough. Still lurking in the bath. Jonas looked at Reimer shrewdly. You hide it better than my pals. But you're as nervous as they are underneath. You want to know what's out in the bunkhouse? I'll tell you. Extra boots. Pictures of their mommies. Socks that stink to high heaven. Stiff sheeps from boys who've been taught it's low class to change after you... Sheep. And guns hiding somewhere underneath the floorboards like enough. You know what? You're pretty good there, Jonas. I'm just saying. You're pretty good. You really think they have guns? Aye, Roy. Got the straight of that. All right. They're from Gilead. They're likely from the line of Eld. Or from folks who like to think they're from it. And they're likely apprentices to the trade who've been sent in, sent on with guns they haven't earned yet. I wonder a bit about the tall one with the I-don't-give-a-crap look in his eyes. He might already be a gunslinger, I suppose. But is it likely? I don't think so. Even if he is, I could take him. Take him in a fair go. I know it, and he does too. 
Think, well, I think Roland's a little more cunning than you think he is if he can get away from Susan for more than five seconds. Yeah. Uh, even at 14, Roland's already shown that... He's very, very capable. Yeah, when it comes to being... When it comes to jokes, when it comes to thinking outside the box, Roland's kind of just eh. But when it comes to gunslinging, he's just... Whoosh. Yeah, I know. He, he's top of his <laughs> class there. He's He ain't no one to be messed with. No. And since, I mean... We clearly know he's clearly still alive telling the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know he's pretty capable. They don't know that. <laughs> no, Jonas doesn't know that. Then, if he did, he'd be gone. Then why have they been sent here? Not because those from the inner barony suspect your treason, Cy Rhymer. Be easy on that score. How dare you call me a traitor? How dare you? Eldris Jonas favored Hambry's Minister of Inventory with an unpleasant smile. It made the white-haired man look like a wolverine. I have called things by their right names my whole life, and I won't stop now. All that needs matter to you is that I've never double-crossed an employer. If I didn't believe in the cause of... To hell with what you believe in. It's late and I want to go to bed. The folk in New Cannon and Gilead haven't the foggiest idea of what does or doesn't go on out here in the Crescent. There aren't many of them who've been in here, I'd wager. Them are too busy trying to keep everything from falling down around their ears to do much tra traveling these days. No, what they know is all from the picture books they was read out of when they asked babbies themselves. Happy cowboys galloping after stock. Happy fishermen pulling whoppers into their boats. Folks clogging at bar raisings and drinking pig big pots of graph in the Green Heart pa Pavilion. For the sake of the man Jesus, Rhymer, don't go dense on me. I deal with that day in and day out. They see Magus as a place of quiet and safety. Aye, bucolic splendor, just so, no doubt about it. They don't know they know their whole way of life, all that nobility and chivalry and ancestor worship is on fire. The final battle may take place as much as two hundred wheels northwest of their borders. But when Farson uses his fire carriages and robots to wipe out their army, trouble will come south fast. There are those from the inner baronies who've smelled this coming for twenty years or more. They didn't send these brats here to discover your secrets, Rhymer. Folks such as these don't send their babbies into danger on purpose. They sent them here to get them out of the way, that's all. That doesn't make them blind or stupid for the sake of the gods, let's be sane. They're kitties. What else might you find should you go out there? Some way of sending messages, mayhap. A heliograph's the most likely, and out beyond Eyebolt, a shepherd or maybe a freeholder susceptible to a bribe. Someone they've trained to catch the messages and either flash it on a carry flash it on or carry it afoot. But before long it'll be too late for messages to do any good, won't it? Perhaps, but it's not too late yet, and you're right. Kitties or not, they worry me. Rhymer said they should have been on the cowboy side by now. Jonah's hands stopped above the layout of cards. It was a thought that had crossed his mind more than once, especially over the last two weeks or so. How long do you think it takes to count our nets, boats, and charts out the fishery holes? Rhymer asked. They should have been over to the drop, counting cows and horses. Looking through barns, studying the full charts... They should have been there two weeks ago, in fact, unless they already know what they'll find. 
Jonas understood what Reimer was implying, but couldn't believe it. Wouldn't believe it. Not such a depth of slyness from boys who only had to shave once a week. No, he said. That's your own guilty heart talking to you. They're just determined to do the do it right that they're creeping on like old folks with bad eyes. They'll be over the drop soon enough in counting their little hearts out. And if they're not? A good question. Get rid of them somehow, Jonas supposed. An ambush, perhaps? Three shots from cover. No more babbies. There'd be ill fillings afterward. The boys were well-liked in town. But Reimer could handle that until fair day. And after the reap, it wouldn't matter. Still, I'll have a look at the barcade, Jonas said at last. By myself. I won't have Clay and Roy tramping along behind me. That sounds fine. Perhaps you'd like to come along and lend a hand? Reimer smiled his icy smile. I think not. Yeah, he didn't rot. Uh, so Jonas still underestimating. Yes, yeah, very clearly. No, no, no. They, they, they Rolling especially, very clear of what's happening. They know way more than you think they do. They're just... They aren't. Roland is just being really, really stupid. And that's the thing, is that it's like, Jonas is still underestimating them. Reynolds is not. Reynolds is like, no, these these kids, we need to just go. Just go look, investigate, do something. They know more than they should. And Jonas is still in that mindset of pride. He can't handle the fact that these boys might be, you know... Up on their game. Like, he can't handle Which it. Which they are. Again, it's amazing how much could have been avoided had him, he just send one of his little doves or whatever off with a note saying, hey, a lot of stuff jacked up here. We really need some backup. There's a lot more horses that we think they've turned. Get someone over here. And it, so much would have been solved. But no, he's got, he's doing his lovey-dovey bull crap with Susan. What a mistake, Roland. What a mistake. Hmm. Yeah, oh, indeed. So now we pretty much end out this chapter with Rhea. Which truthfully doesn't say almost nothing. No. She's pretty much still watching Susan, or at least trying to. Well, she ain't watching much of anything. No. Ever since Musty yeah. <laughs> uh, interrupted things, yeah. and now she's aware that uh, Susan didn't chop off her hair. She's been too frustrated to make the ball work. Yes. She can't concentrate her chi or whatever. <laughs> and she is pissed at her cat. Oh, she's furious at the cat, which has been hiding ever since. Yes. Says, you're lucky I let ye live, ye warlock, the old woman grumbled. But that's that's pretty much the extent of this entire little area. There's there, Nothing really of any importance has said. Other uh, than Rhea just being angry that she well, can't summon the ball. Yeah, well, it says, uh, says, never had she been so angry. She had given the girl a command, and the girl, for whatever reasons, had disobeyed. For standing against Rhea of the Coos, she deserved to die. But not right away, the old woman whispered. First, she should be rolled in the dirt. Yeah. Humiliated, hurt, and spat on. Yeah, makes sense. That's really it. Yeah, that, and, and then it says, Musty saw her coming and squeezed into the cobwebby space between the woodpile and the chimney. 
Yeah, nothing, nothing too important there. Nope. So, so next chapter is chapter two, The Girl at the Window. The Girl at the Window. How far are we reading now? Which we know Roland has called Susan before in other books. Like... So we'll be reading from 355 to 370. 15 more pages. All the way to chapter 3, Playing Castles. Ah. Another short chapter. But yeah, a few important things. A few not important things. So we know for a fact that Jonas is underestimating them. Roland is knows everything and is not using this knowledge. Elaine and Cuthbert... Elaine's trying to keep the peace and trying to trust that Roland knows what he's doing. Cuthbert is just over the edge going, dude, we need to do something about this. He's kind of jealous, but at the same time, he is making sense. He knows that Roland is off his game. Yeah, in the end, Cuthbert and Elaine should have taken action done something. Really, that's what should have happened. It would have solved everything. And then Roland could have dealt with his father once he got here, or whatever. It's just—it's one of those things where it's like it would have. Sorry, but but, sorry for the spoilers, guys. We wouldn't but. have this book if all that happened. Yeah, we know. He wouldn't have wrote. I mean, is it really a spoiler? Stuff. We know things are going to end well. They foreshadowed it like forty-five times. This not a happy ending. <laughs> There's so many ways it could have ended badly, though. Like, or should I say, it's, there's so many ways, bad ways it can end. So, us just okay. flat out sitting I here say, talking So many ways it could end badly? I mean, no matter what, it's ending badly. It's not going It ends about as bad as it can end. Pretty much. Short of Roland dying, which we know doesn't happen, because again, he's telling the story. Are you sure? No. <laughs> Pretty positive. When the book just folds in on itself and... Well, we hope you all enjoyed. Hope you're reading along. Hope you're liking it. Throw a comment down below. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you think about Roland's behavior. Love. Oh, careless love. Uh, throw a like on the video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to the channel. We'd always appreciate that. And, um, yeah. As always, you can reach me at Stars on Travel. Reach me at KZ Pup. Reach the show at Beyond Our Focus. Anywhere, including podcast servers and YouTube and places around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. Somewhere in Kansas. Some win. I'm sure Kansas. I'm sure we can be in Kansas. Now, some win right now. <laughs> right Maybe. now. Maybe. Not in the past. Wait. You never know. If it's some win. If it's some it win, means it means that this stuff could be going on. Just floating around. It'll be on YouTube forever until YouTube plugged on itself. Anything else? Anything else? Alrighty. Alrighty. Till next time. Till next time. Long days. Long days and pleasant nights.